0: Hey there, film fans, I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a part in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye.
1: That's right, and to avoid lazy negativity, we decided to make this episode a drinking game. Ooh. Oh, dear. To make Ooh. sure we Ooh. say nothing negative, only things <laughs> that are positive. To keep us honest, to keep us positive. Every time we say something negative, you're gonna hear the sound. Mm. That sound means that we are taking a drink. We hope you drink along with us.
2: So, boys, loves a glass. We're going back to the '80s for a very unique choice of movie from me. Oh, we did. It. Didn't we see did this it. one coming, did you?
0: Cheers. Cheers,
1: guys. Pre-show shot to get us loose. What do they yeah. drink
0: in Indonesia? Cheers, uh, whatever that is. Yeah.
2: Yes.
1: On uh, Java, um, <laughs> it's not our not our sponsor, but Carl uh, John. You weren't here last week. Uh, my friend Carl gave me so much whiskey. And so much scotch. So today I'm going to finish off the uh, Glenmorangie, fuck, I have no idea how to say that. The fuck, what? The Quinta Ruban Highland Single Melt Scotch Whiskey. It's the age 14 years in a port cask finish. And I don't have any, we have so many bottles, so I'm going to finish this one tonight. Thank you, Carl. Is it? Is it good? I don't know. Is it Okay. This is yeah. uh, Fuck you, Carl. This mm. is, it, is, it, is it just like a waste of
0: fucking scotch.
1: The cast off. No, it's good. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Thank you very much. Okay. Guys, we're talking about the film year 1982. That was what came up on our random year generator, which we've been doing since about the strike. And even though the strike is sort of over, guys, even though it I have is. A feeling, it is. Guys, I have a feeling a bunch of actors are going to vote. No. I have a Cheers. feeling it's.
0: Cheers! I, cheers, I, cheers! Yeah, no, cheers. no, 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 no. I think it's going through. <laughs> I, yeah, I through think it's there. going through as well. It's gonna,
1: it's gonna go through, but I don't think it's gonna get that same like ninety nine percent that the WGA did when get they ratified the WGA it. Because apparently mm. the AI shit's a little murky that we still need to go through that. But, but I'm sure. I trust Fran. I trust the people. Anyway, um, so anyway, with the random year generators in nineteen eighty two, we came up with the huge list. Dave basically said Pink Floyd's The Wall or this movie, The Year of Living Dangerously, <laughs> which stars his countryman too Mel Gibson. Cool Sarsmail, Mel Gibson before the DUIs, and uh, a British Sigourney Weaver, as well the as British Academy Award Sigourney
2: winner,
1: <laughs> <laughs> as well as Academy Award winner Linda Hunt. Year of Living Dangerously, 1982, oh, okay. fantastic movie. So we're going to get into that conversation soon. Introduce you to a little bit of the 1982 film year, and before that, we, once we get through some news and other things that we got going on, maybe some gripes. We're going to do a little mini review or two. I think John saw John saw the 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 killer yeah 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 i did the, it the david fincher it. film which just came out on netflix november 10th uh but it was in limited release in certain theaters which john saw uh dave yeah. did you see the, did you see anything you were filming this weekend i bet you wanted to see the marvels i saw the marvels oh okay so we got too many oh, cool. reviews <laughs> who wants to go first
0: yeah talk about it dave how did you that all right how did I, I missed that completely that review when did it release last thursday
2: uh, this, this thursday passage? just gone
0: yeah, just now right. you saw it. Yeah. Oh wow, damn, dude!
2: Yeah, I, I saw it Friday morning because um, I had some time before I did pickups for all the right. the film was we shooting.
1: Spoiler free um, mini review of the Marvels by Dave. Let's go,
2: dude! I had so much fun. Um, this was tight, an hour and forty five. It wow. came in. It resolved some stuff. Uh, is that from, the shortest
0: Marvel it movie? It is. I think the it's the shortest kit. Marvel
2: movie ever. Wow! Um, but it doesn't suffer for it at all. Um, as predicted, uh, in my opinion. Um Ms. Marvel steals the fucking show. So it's it's a fun watch all round though. It's it I don't know, it's just a very tight, concise plot. And it was a fun yeah. ride. That's that's all I can give you. Without <laughs> spoiling a- anything. Because it's a fucking Marvel movie, and if you say anything, yeah. it's like, sure, well, sure, I've ruined sure. that. Yeah.
0: That all is right. no I I, I think any it
2: No, it's good. Yeah, it's it was just fun. It was fun um, as
1: many as a mini review could get i love it
2: it's good to cool, see man. some uh it's good to see some characters back in fine form oh that's all i can say
1: so you oh, tempt me with having to leave right <laughs> now to course. go see the marvels dave
2: <laughs> yeah
0: of course they pull them back dave kevin was at school showing that thing last <laughs> week i uh-huh. missed it
1: what what school you go wait school what did you yeah watch? i don't What's know i'll
0: never talk about i try not to talk <laughs> about it but well, guess what? Um, the, Hunger the Hunger Games comes out. The Hunger Games comes out
1: next week with the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, and it's two hours and forty-five minutes, so a little bit longer oh than, than
2: usual. Really like oh my dude. fucking god! What is, does anyone know when that film takes place? Like after the third year one, ten? Or? Year ten? No. Yeah, it's like right, right before everything. It's it's when the, President Snow, AKA, yeah. aka Donald
1: Sutherland, is like a teenager. It's like yeah. You know, it's a
2: prequel. It's a full-on prequel. It's oh, pretty wow. much how it started.
1: I forget what games the cat does. I want to say like the 60th or something, but this is
2: the 10th.
0: Oh, so she's not in this? No.
1: She's years Yeah, She she will be conceived for a
0: a half century. I could easily look it up on my own, but we're a podcast, so I'll ask you verbally, who's playing young Donald Sutherland?
1: I believe it is uh, that fucking guy. um, (laughs) 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 Tom Blythe, Coriolanus Snow.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah see it. okay cool i never really watched any of those movies i think i saw the first one and part of another one i never got on board so i hope it does mm. well though i hope it's good i know jeff you liked those didn't you the
1: first two sure yeah yeah okay and i read the first two. The first, there the was, the there was two. some
2: ele- there was some elements of the third one i liked because like yeah it, it came out just after i think i think it came out just after she won the award for uh Silver linings, like
1: something like that, yeah. And yeah, there's cool. that
2: one section that where she has to pretend, like, basically her character can't act. So it was an Oscar-winning actress acting like she can't act. That's <laughs> true. And I that amused that, that it the hell right. out of me to no end.
1: But then the PETA thing comes, and she like, is pre- I don't know if she's supposed to be in love with him or not. The Peter problem was a real thing in the third and fourth movie when he becomes a weapon at the end of the third. Do you have know, a man.
0: bubble in your throat? Do you, <laughs> Did you? Fuck everybody. Oh, shit. Sounded like you had a little bit of a bubble. Mm. All right. So, David Fincher's The Killer. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's already on Netflix. So, I don't know if it's in release for for most of the cities around America. It did not go to AMC or one of the big places here. I went to the landmark over in Westwood near UCLA to see it. And um, I really don't want to give too much away because this is a unique uh, Fincher story in the sense that. And I was trying to remember, if I could say this about any of his other films, and I don't think I can. Even Benjamin Button. This, I think this is the only Fincher film, certainly modern Fincher film, that it has one storyline. It is subjective. Oh. It is completely subjective. So he's not moving in and out of that. There's no beeline. There's no objectivity where you're kind of looking from a God's eye on what's happening. This is a story that follows Michael Fassbender in his slice of life beginning on a hit as the killer assassin which is in the the promo shot and everything and then it just like takes off from there and it kind of turns into a a revenge flick and you just follow him on his quest and then it's over and it's it's just in and out subjective and in a way it was kind of um i think some people might think it's going to be a little bit underwhelming i know we haven't seen him make something like a good killer you know death mystery Blood, serial killery kind of, you know, we haven't seen him do that in, in a little while. Um, so I think some people might be a little underwhelmed because of the subjectivity. But I think if you give it a chance and you just strap in, there might be an argument that this is one of his more personal films. And uh, the way the filmmaking comes into it, especially structurally, uh, there it, it lines up so perfectly with the, the character that it is following. It starts to feel like the filmmaking is the way the character per- approaches life which is cold, quick, succinct. Uh, So anyway, I think people should give it a shot. Um, Let me just make one caveat. There is a very long voiceover-driven first-person opening sequence, and I'm afraid people are going to press pause about six or seven minutes in and say, I don't know if I want to watch this because it's long. Please just get get through that sequence. Just keep going. I thought it was great and invigorating, but I saw it on a giant screen. So I just kept thinking, ah, people are at home and... He's six or seven minutes in. It's still a voiceover. Already. Oh, wait, is this there. dropping?
2: Is this dropping to streaming with no wind, like no cinema window? Or so the, it, well, that's it already, what John was saying. Yeah,
0: it already had its window. I think it's already been oh. out for well, it's <laughs> no, day no AMC six now. So, so it only needs eight days now. So it's not doing a big release to AMC. Yeah. It's just going straight to Netflix.
1: So Netflix and AMC um, hate each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they do. They, they don't have a new partnership yet. I don't, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, because they had a deal they, no, they, they sure. signed a deal no, a year it, ago. Wasn't it
2: Warner Brothers had a deal?
1: Netflix announced Thursday that AMC Regal and Cinemark will carry the knife. Oh, sorry, during Knives Out, I remember this was a huge thing. But I I, I don't I don't know what the Fincher thing is. I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah.
0: Mm. So anyway, check it out. Okay. If you love David Fincher, I think you're still going to have a wonderful time watching it. His filmmaking is, you know, he's he's I like him. He's he's still killing it. Anyway,
1: let's do it. All right. Um,
0: any gripes, any news, anything you guys...
1: Uh, I, a, I guess I have a mini gripe.
2: All right. <laughs> Okay. right. I'm in the timer. Mini gripe.
1: Okay, so whenever you have a hot buffet or cold, I don't care, a fucking buffet, and it's always by <laughs> weight, right? What is up with them putting in chicken bones like chicken wings or fucking ribs? The Ugh. bone is not edible. It's not fair that you have this as part of the weight for this food because it's saying there being you have a pound and a half of food, so it's 75 cents an ounce. So you're all of a sudden your fucking meal is $25, but half of that you can't eat. So you're I'm only eating $10 worth of food, but I'm being charged for 25. The the the, the bone in the weighted buffet is bullshit. Are you talking And about, like, schools should around? know this. <laughs> no no golden no. crowd you pay wait, at the okay, door okay, no, no, look this is you, like Wegmans being, this is Whole Foods this is my college that I teach at come on yeah. with this
2: horse shit have you ever been have you ever weighed a chicken bone you're being charged 25 dollars because you're fucking garbage guts
0: <laughs> <I'm a> garbage <laughs> guts yeah how much are those bones that's how for both of us bones, how many chicken wings are you walking up? What are you eating at this buffet? Like, why are you going for bone Look, I, meat yeah. specifically I, at this I, I like voodoo I, I,
2: priests going without their chicken bones because Jeff's fucking eating them all. <laughs> guys, I need some, Jesus Christ. because I need some protein.
1: <laughs> it digests the slowest. It helps you be, you know, come on. I need some protein. Sure, sure.
2: Yeah.
0: Do they not have chick tenders? You know what I'm no, saying? No. I'm going tenders no. every time. No
1: nuggets buffet. in the
2: buffet? What?
1: It was a very small buffet, I will say. It's not. It's not It's the not the best buffet. I don't want to out myself as the word is it's, a, it's, a, it's, at, it's at one of the that's
0: schools That's all you're I talking about. At. He's talking about you, school.
1: It's at that's one of funny. the schools I teach at. The other school I teach at uh, is Free Buffet for Everyone, which is awesome. Wow. Yeah, even like,
2: you know, if you're they like- They can put you, as many chicken bones in as they want, apparently.
1: That's
0: it. And they
2: compost. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking awesome, man. They compost their bones, Ryan's too. It's great.
0: Ryan Steakhouse, Golden Crowl, if you want to sponsor us, <laughs> get in touch <laughs> with us. We're at the Love Cinema Pod on uh, all the handles. Garbage Guts Jeff. over
1: here is excited to go. Um, <laughs> all right, you guys ready to talk about 1982 and the year of living dangerously? Peter Will yeah. We're, oh, my God. Peter Weir's.
2: We, do we buzz him Wears every time the, he gets a name wrong now? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's no
0: S
1: on his name. Peter yeah, Weir's
0: possessive uh, film. Uh, oh, oh. Come on. All right,
1: the so film year 1982. People, let's get into it. What, my friends, was the highest grossing movie in 1982?
0: Definitely... Starred an alien. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Steven Spielberg's E.T. the Extraterrestrial.
1: Hell yeah. $359 million worldwide, which is a shit ton of money in 1982, where you can go to college for what it costs to get a soda today. Tootsie was number two. An officer and a gentleman comes in at number three for Paramount Pictures at $129 million. Good for them. Rocky III, United Artists. Made another hundred million dollars and made, just just a, a huge opening like Memorial Day record weekend. It's funny. An, Day,
2: an Officer like and crush. a Gentleman is another one of those movies that my parents thought I was asleep at the drive-in for. Uh, yeah? like, I've seen it and I saw it when I was like fucking ten.
0: Hmm. Heavy so, movie. Uh, it's a great movie. Yeah. Jeff, the rest of yeah. them watched that together in college. Do you remember that? Officer and a Gentleman.
1: Yeah, I have no recollection, but I don't remember much I think of college. watched it at the Oaks. Porky's Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, $78 million. 48 Hours, which featured Eddie Murphy in his film debut, $78 million. Poltergeist, so there's Steve twice in the top eight Mm. at $76 million. Steve definitely directed it from afar. Let's put it that way. The Best Little (laughs) Whorehouse in Texas comes in at number nine. And then fucking Annie comes in at number 10 (laughs) with $57 million. Other notable films, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Creepshow, Night Shift and Dave's favorite Pink Floyd's The Wall. Uh, also, the Coca-Cola Company acquires Columbia Pictures for $750 million. That's right. Coca-Cola owned a fucking movie company. Yeah. E- and
2: they didn't Are even you- have
1: cocaine in their soda anymore. And then have, the sci-fi have movie have Tron is the Pink first Floyd feature
2: Because I keep getting shit for this, but like, have you seen that fucking movie? No, I'm sure it's awesome. I actually
1: really you was watch that we chose it. I was hoping we chose it, but I like this one instead. Sci-fi <laughs> movie Tron is the first feature to feature. Computer animation extensively. Other things that were going on in the world. Thriller was released. The breakup of AT&T Monopoly was ordered. Argentina invades the Falkland Islands for our British friends over there. You love talking about this shit. The first episode of David Letterman on late night debuts. Epcot opens. The Vietnam Veterans Memorial was dedicated. The first commercial use of genetic engineering is launched when a human insulin produced by bacteria is marked. And in 1982... The beginning of the end, Ronald fucking Reagan's Securities and Exchange Commission passed a rule which created a legal process for companies to buy back their own fucking stock, also known as stock buybacks, and those motherfuckers have been rat fucking the global economy <laughs> ever since by buying back their own stock, quote unquote legally, therefore yeah. disincentivizing companies from investing in their workers by increasing salaries, by increasing yep. pension funds, which is all bullshit backdoor shit that they can do mm, to yep. save that which yeah, they only they which they, they have to do to save on taxes, but they don't they're not incentivized to do any of this.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: they there's no rainy day fund, no, no company has a Savings account anymore. So all of these fucking airlines hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars a year, billions of dollars in profits over the past 10 years, and then the pandemic hits, and then what do they do? They lay off all their workers, thus trying to spiral the the fucking world down because they're so busy paying back their shareholders. (laughs) They gotta give their shareholders this imaginary money so their 401ks could be so fucking good. Oh, that's so great. Or shareholders. Yeah, but then we run out of baby formula, and then you don't have any fucking money, so you have to go to the government to ask for help, which is us! Our fucking tax dollars saved these airlines because they don't have a fucking savings account from all their profits because they put it up into the fucking cloud eradicating the whole point of the dollar and just making this pretend number go up so everybody's 401k's pretend to be higher than they were before all because of the fucking Reagan SEC 1982 decision to allow stock buybacks which somehow made something that used to be literally fraud imprisonable become an everyday fucking norm that rat fucks the everyday american that doesn't own stock thank you this that's all i have to say about that
0: get out of the way joe biden <laughs> Oster Mueller, 24. Honestly, dude. Yeah, man. I couldn't have uh, couldn't have ranted about that better myself, dude. Fucking that is hate fucking. It. It's,
1: it's like why so wouldn't you tragic. why wouldn't you give the money back to the shareholders? Oh yeah? Mm. <laughs> because you it doesn't you, you paying workers is not good when you could take that money and throw it back to the stock, and then the money's literally gone from the universe until someone sells their shares. It's bullshit. And then
0: when it. did they pass the capital gains tax? You know, there was <sighs> uh, Adjusted on that after the fact, so that people would not have to pay uh, as oh, high of taxes. Yeah.
2: You know, when it wasn't, it wasn't 1982.
0: 1982. That's right. <laughs> God Almighty.
1: Any other movies stand out to you from 1982 that we haven't talked about that you guys want to get into?
0: The Secret of Nim. I wanted to mention that one. Oh yeah, that's Wait, like, a classic.
1: Like Mrs. Yeah. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, like that kind of lore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: God, that book's so, awesome. It's a
0: Don Don Bluth film, one of his early ones. Yeah huge huge yeah. fucking fan there uh, are people who still hunt the rats that out rest moved their home
1: missing oh yeah we also talked about um i feel like we talked about some movies in this year but i can't remember
0: um ingmar bergman's fanny and alexander mm. maybe his last uh, big massive one that did like really well internationally um, that movie's fucking crazy and um never heard of it never heard of it for real never heard of it yeah man that's a that's a popular one popular if you will we'll put that in quotes (laughs) for for him uh the man from snowy river it's for you Ah,
2: i almost Uh, tried to flog that one but i knew you wouldn't go for it oh come on i want to watch that Uh, it's it's, i mean it's it's based on a poem it is based on a
0: poem yeah i think isn't the poet isn't the poet on your five dollar bill what is the name of that guy i think he's on one of your uh i don't know i i I haven't gone back and
2: looked at the monopoly money lately Uh because they've they've changed I love your your notes
0: they're they're plastic (laughs) and so cool looking Uh, anyway yeah we have been here before folks we have been to 1982 so what did we talk about last time we talked about The Thing and we talked about um, I wasn't on that one was it The Verdict or was it The Verdict yeah
2: because that was when Jack was on Jack was was on it that was Grease 2 as well in Grease 2 poor bloody Jack we exposed him to Grease (laughs) 2 poor Jack on his first appearance
0: I was I was at Cape May this does make me want to re-watch. I have. I don't think I've seen the director's cut of Blade Runner. I think I've only seen the theatrical cut, and I have never Is felt that like what that we movie... we watched? I can't remember. Well, I just never felt like that movie did to me what it did to people when it came out. Like, that generation above me, they seem to just be really, really affected by that movie. Yeah, Dave, so you I know that I generation?
2: The, Dan, I have quite a controversial the, opinion about... Uh, oh, about yeah, you Blade don't love Runner, it. actually uh, No, no, yeah, no, I, no I, I, um, the, I actually preferred the one with the voiceover. I thought that was the director's cut. I cannot remember because there's four I, fucking cuts sure in this either. movie.
0: I thought it was the director's cut with the voiceover, but I'm not sure. I mean, I own the, the
2: definitive up. one. Um so
0: Um Blade Runner has
1: you remember effort. the you remember the name of um the, the composer of Blade Runner? And <laughs> I do not
2: it does Va- have it.
0: Vangelis.
1: Vangelis
2: Oh yes Vangelis, dude.
0: God damn it, Vangelis, Vangelis. Vangelis. No, I think it's Oh this. man, so good! Fucking Chariots good of Fire. Soundtrack. Speaking uh, of Inglis, da, 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 he, he had two massive hits that, this yeah. year. He won the yeah. fucking Oscar for that, and he wrote the Blade Runner score as well. Fucking two legendary scores. Did he? Do Chariots of Fire?
1: Chariots of the year yeah. before. Oh, we also forgot that uh, Gandhi won a whole bunch of Oscars this year. I
0: forgot to mention that. Gandhi, Gandhi did clean up. Still, the lar- still has the record by fucking far for the amount of extras. I looked this up not too long ago. You guys, more than do Ron. You know how many extras are in the funeral scene? The of. approximation of oh. Gandhi. And like oh. the next closest one is like a sixth of this amount. And it's like fifty thousand. There's over three hundred thousand people in that funeral scene. Holy Wow shit, dude. Did they get did they get that money?
1: Like how did they get them there?
0: I really have no fucking idea. I mean, India's not short on people, so I think they did like <laughs> recreate the funeral and like just they let yeah. everybody show up because it's just this gigantic put on a like, buffet you got some chicken wings ah uh, come on chicken masala delicious <laughs> yeah even, mm. fucking Indian food dude <laughs> oh my god, god, god fucking fuck, fuck me up with some Indian food Ben Kingsley Ben holy shit alright what the fuck are we talking about though?
1: we're talking about the year of living dangerously this is Peter Weir- Weir's film his uh his film that he did before this um In 1981 was Gallipoli, which Mm, is uh, also stars Mel Gibson, Dave's Mm. Countryman. So we love that. And then before that, a whole bunch of shorts, a couple TV movies and stuff. But these two movies really set him off. Other movies by Peter Weir that we talked about include Witness, Harrison Ford and Dead Poets Society from 1989. (laughs) We talked about that. And I don't know if we talked about The Truman Show, but it's awesome. So there's something else you know from him.
2: I talk about The Truman Show all the time.
1: There you go. Um, so yes, Peter Weir directed this here film, written by, um, C.J. Koch's novel, Uh, but Peter Weir co-wrote it with David Williamson, and I think we already mentioned the cast, Sigourney Weaver's a British accent, Linda Hunt, um, and then a whole bunch of that guy actors who were so fun and so good. Uh, but yes, definitely Mel Gibson as the lead with Linda Hunt as sort of the narrator, and she ended up winning an Oscar for Outstanding Actress in a Supporting Role. Even though she definitely plays a male character male in this character, movie. Male character, yes. Yeah. Which is this famous story. And they never... Appar- apparently to. when auditioning,
2: he couldn't find a male that played it the way he wanted.
1: I mean, it's so mm. good. I mean, nowadays she probably yeah. wouldn't get away with it because, you know, she's supposed to be Indonesian. But I don't think she is,
0: right? Is she?
2: No, they reference be... that she's Chinese-Australian. Or he's Chinese-Australian. Australian. Chinese-Australian. Yeah, Australian. Yeah, yeah. And he's yes.
0: American-Australian or British-Australian? American, I think. Yeah, I think he's also supposed to be, oh. like, they're okay. supposed to be mixed ethnicities oh, and mixed uh, countries. Yeah,
1: She's so fucking good, and if you didn't know yes. that it was her and you didn't know anything about her, you probably would have just thought they just cast this perfect person they found, and that's that.
2: It was yeah. a really good fucking role.
1: Holy shit. She was good. So anyway, we always do a spoiler-free little round here, even though this movie's, uh, you know, 40 years old. So let's go a quick round. 40 years later... Spoiler free, what'd you guys think? What'd you feel? Initial takeaways of seeing the rewatch, which Dave made his fucking rent, give Jeff Bezos some more fucking space money. Well, <laughs> I'm you such know, an I mean, anti-capitalist today. Uh, what do you guys space think? What'd you space space feel? Space. Let's start with John, because Dave recommended this movie. John, what'd you think? What'd you feel?
0: Space money. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's, space yeah, money, just,
2: that's good. It's just like I... dark colored money with like <laughs> Banjo-Patterson <laughs> on it.
0: Uh huh. <laughs> oh man. All right. I, I I really I really enjoyed it. Um, this kind of movie, very specifically, not we'll remove the romance from it, but that very specific um, two hours, dealing with uh some kind of and it usually is if I'm being totally honest a some kind of western uh point of view on an issue happening abroad, uh like the killing fields or or. or you know, movies like this, where mm. for for two hours we're going to dip our toe in the water of a political issue that may not have gotten much, you know, much light uh, in history right. books and things like that. And it kind of yeah. opens the door to this it fucking kind of, did in my country. This issue, <laughs> I'm sure it did, dude, because you know, it was happening right across the strait <laughs> So, I didn't, I had not really read or seen much about this issue. Um, so, like, does this is does this movie cover the entire saga? No, 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 of course not, no. and it's not supposed no. to. I don't think movies like this are supposed to do that. So I think in sometimes, even when I was younger and movies like this were still coming out, um, there was criticism for movies trying to talk about a, a Westerner's perspective on a very complicated geopolitical issue happening in another part of the world. But I always felt like this is this this is supposed to be a stepping stone. If you're interested in this, it's going to maybe make you feel something emotional about this issue, and then you can continue your reading, which I did a little bit. I um, I thought the performances were were really strong this is a super like i think this movie is greatest achievement in movies like this when they do well it kind of doesn't matter where it's set and i mean that with the most respect possible it's not that it the details they don't get into the minutiae but in a sense it's good that they do that because the specificity of how these characters feel about the issue is so relatable that you just know from the jump okay This is one of those countries that's going through that kind of turmoil at the time. We have journalists coming in. Some of them, all of them seem to have some kind of connection to it. And they seem to care maybe some more about their objective job of being a journalist and their ambitions. But you're definitely going to have those characters that make you think, why this country? Why are they here? Why are they trying to promote this kind of uh, storytelling as journalists within the story? And it did that for me. I felt like i began to care and it didn't just feel like another country that at the time was a third world nation that was on the brink of civil war it started to feel like something else there is also that classic 1980s even into the 90s romantic spin but at least for me i don't know how you guys felt the the romance did not suffocate the politics for me sometimes these movies can be too heavy on the romance and I don't feel like this was. When it was romantic, it was fucking romantic. And sensual, a whole lot of kissing scenes. These two really wanted each other physically. I could feel that. But it didn't seem to be the tip of the spear. So I thought they did a, I thought a mm. good job balancing that. And yeah, Linda Hunt was just like another world. One of those performances where you're just like, how the fuck can somebody be that good at playing a <laughs> role that is probably miles away from her? I don't I don't know if she grew up in fucking Indonesia. I doubt it. I don't know if she grew up identifying with any of these politics. I doubt it. Um, so yeah, I would. I had never heard of this movie before, which I felt kind of dumb for saying that. But I really enjoyed it. I don't know if it's a must see, but I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, Dave.
2: Okay. Um, I have a long history with this one. Like we watched it, of course, in Australia when it came out, because like Australian film, Mel Gibson, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But uh, it's also written, uh, as you said, by David Williamson, which is one of my favorite playwrights. Like we studied the shit out of this guy oh, in school. Wow. So like I've, I've actually uh, done sound design for at least one of, one of his plays. Jesus. Really? Uh, I did, the, That's I did awesome. the, cl- the club here in, uh, here in New York. Um, I've also been involved with, uh, he did uh, Don's Party, The Removalists. All of them kind of like he, he writes stuff that highlights the troubles of the times. Like he was calling out domestic violence in the 70s in australia and australia is known for having a huge domestic violence problem Um, that's surprising you guys aren't big drinkers
0: i just can't i just can't imagine how that's a possibility (laughs) (laughs) it's a sober dry country there
2: yeah it's it's our epidemic you know we we couldn't get our hands on the opioids you guys have so uh yeah we're angry about it it, apparently i don't know um good for him (laughs) for calling it out (laughs) (laughs) Say <laughs>
1: like, yeah, for shouting out the uh, fentanyl issue that we have going on in America. Yeah,
2: or... <laughs> fix your shit, everyone.
1: If it, everyone, if yeah,
2: everyone. <laughs> no, it, it did. It actually is pretty bad down there. Like they, they have a commission that's looking into this and why it's happening and stuff like that. And the commission, it like, like the political stuff we watched on in this movie just gets fucking bogged down, or like, there's nothing gets accomplished because they're yeah. just too busy arguing over what they should do in the first place. It's like the fucking Judean People's Front and Life of Brian. It's like something's happening. Actually do something. But yeah, yeah. it goes on. Um, but yeah, he's a very famous playwright. I like a lot of his work. Um, a lot of these characters fall right into his wheelhouse. So for me, it was like just another thing that Williamson had written that I could, you know, absorb and enjoy. So I think that's why I kind of went after that one so hard because I, I really like the guy's work. Nice. Um, yeah, it, again, it, and also there's the, yeah, the Linda Hunt performance, which is just fucking amazing. Yeah, truly. Like, I, if that, if that character was cast differently, I'm, I'm not sure this movie would have been as successful.
0: Like, I mean, that's, that, role, that is a ground it, right?
2: that is a grounding influence in this whole film. The, it's it's funny because L- like, Linda, Linda Hunt is, yeah, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I'm just saying, on the, on the page, it's the same thing. It's like casting, you know, a really important child's role. Like, if you can't cast that role correctly and people don't buy it, your movie's dead. Yeah. You know, like, well, this, and, this was that role for this movie.
1: Well, John's in uh, film school, and my dabbling in writing school is basically <laughs> like... um you basically have two choices as a writer. You can either write practically and be like, well we're never gonna cast this role, so I need to make it like, you know, casting proof that I'll be able to have a cast. Or you write to the story you need and just worry about that shit later. Make sure the scripts yeah. airtight and then you have to figure it out later. And apparently it was very difficult. They couldn't find a guy. <laughs> so that's mm. how they ended up with living Hamilton. They tried. It's not like they didn't try. Yeah. Um, Hamilton. Uh, Hunt. Uh, Linda Hunt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> <laughs> Indonesia <laughs> is my
2: shit. Yeah. Mel Gibson's oh, like come so- come with me if you want to live. <laughs> oh, it's so funny.
1: This movie, that's I had no Indonesia idea. Did. I didn't know why Dave was fighting for it so hard. And then it opens with like the shadow puppets and that music, and I was hooked just from the absolute jump from that. It was so me creepy too, yeah. and it was dark. And then you know lines. I think I think what sells the movie is so we, we keep talking about Linda Hunt So if we if we go even further. Lidehan has very famous voiceovers, but again, I I really didn't even think about the fact that, and I I remember hearing this story because I like the Oscars, and it's like this famous story about, she won for a female category at the Oscars, even though she played a male, and at no point in the movie did they ever mention that this was female because she wasn't female, she played a man. And so it was basically like, what is the point of the Oscars? It's, It's, anyway, it was really interesting. But I, I didn't think, about. I, it took me so long to figure it out because I was like, who the fuck is this person? And it wasn't until I like paused the movie almost halfway through that I was like, oh my God, this is that movie. But the voiceover is so haunting. Mm. The voiceover is so haunting. And then you see who it is. So chipper, so friendly, getting to know this person. And we are meant to like, are they spies? You know, they they kind of introduce these ideas that there could yeah. be, you know, you know, intruders in the midst. And he's no, he's just press. He's he's Australian press, and that's it. He's he's filling the new assignment from um, is it API, whatever the 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 whatever his um credentials mm-hmm. were from his Australian press. And it's just it it has this allure of like all the kind of the stuff we love about spy dramas, but it's not that. He is a press man and then immediately becomes a, a great journalism story. Um, and I was actually thinking while I'm filming this, is like there aren't that many great print journalism movies. You know, all the President's Men and Spotlight come to mind and there's a lot of great like media movies like Network and stuff. But like, I just, it's so interesting the way they get the stories, the way they get the scoop. That's not news. Um, you're printing fluff, you know, et cetera. And, but then you get into the politics. And that's it for me. I'm so hooked. The, I, think the line, <laughs> I think the line that really got me is when it was, it's a voiceover by Linda Hunt, of course, when he, Billy, the character Billy says, we all become children again when we see the poverty in Asia.
0: Oh my God, yeah. And mm.
1: it's like, and you see him stepping outside of Jakarta and he, he's touring the rest. And it's like, oh my God, it's... And then you have this kind of Western responsibility. Of course, we all know that Saigon is happening at the same time as this is 1965. I mean, it's just it's so haunting that how how could I not love it? How could I not be hooked?
2: It's but funny because do... this uh, you heard this thing was actually shut down and moved mid-production. Interesting. Um, yeah, when they were shooting to in Manila, the Philippines, uh, no, it was moved Manoa. to it was moved back to Australia because uh, someone floated a rumor that it was anti-Muslim, and uh, Mel Gibson and a couple of other like the director, I think it was as well, started getting death threats. Um, wow. So they shut, they shut up shop and moved the whole thing back to Sydney. Yeah. So that's why some of those shots, like where you see the, like, the alleyway with the burning car, it's literally just an alleyway in Sydney right. that they're uh. using as a location.
1: Well, they did a good job. Because that yeah. that protest scene, and of course, there's a lot of protests going on now. I live in New York City mm. and I still teach at Columbia University. And so, you know, all these things you hear about in the news, like I get all the emails before they happen. And I'm like, oh shit, this is happening today. A mass protest, mass walkout. They have to check security at all the gates and everything. And then I see this protest <laughs> sequence that they have where you have like this this communist wannabe takeover of this Muslim regime. I mean, it's... When they dropped the rocks down and they started throwing... Dude. I was like I mean, it was really... I was really scared. Like Yeah, it's, it's so not like...
2: It's not like let's grab a few rocks and go protest no they load a fucking truck they've got a lot to say they're back in the truck full of rocks up
1: and and the fact that they like, they didn't get retaliated against i mean yeah. it was it was really powerful it was really 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 powerful mm. Because I don't know so much about Indonesia. Success. And we had an Indonesia fellowship at our church. We had a lot of Indonesian people, you know, at our at a Christian church. And I did know that if you would get sent back to Indonesia, if you got deported, if you didn't have papers, you know, you could be killed still today. Or at least this was like 10, 15 years ago because yeah. uh, it was illegal to be Christian. And so they're doing this communist uprising where they're trying to oust this, you know... The, the, this religious seculariz- secularism. Also they have 17,000 islands. I mean, so I'm saying that I'm like, of course, how can they keep track of everybody? 17,000 <laughs> islands of Indonesia. They have five big islands. Bali's <laughs> not even one of them. So it's like, I, I just, I can't even, this ungovernable place. And I think as an American watching this, you sit there, and you, we just we fucked up even more going to Vietnam, understanding that this was one teeny tiny country while all this other shit was happening. What the fuck were we thinking going to there? Like w- we want to solve all the world's problems while we're at it, and then we're not going to give them money. We're just going to cause problems, get the fuck out of there.
0: It was it, it really made me think a
1: lot of things. This
0: movie was great. It was the mm. military industrial complex, dude. We made a lot of money. Some companies made a lot of money over there while we while we were over there. Just to give people a little bit of context, just so they will know what this is about. Um, this is a period that is considered the transition to the new order in Indonesia, around 1965 through 1968. I'll just read just a couple sentences to give people some context from Wikipedia. Indonesia's transition to the new order in the mid sixties uh, was when the first elected president, Karno, who is the president currently in most of this movie elected by a mostly a Muslim population. After 22 years in the position, um, there's this uprising by the communists, by like a communist grassroots level movement that eventually tries to overthrow him. Um, they have infiltrated in a lot of places throughout the government and a small part of the military. That small part of the, mili- of the military of the PKI, this communist movement, starts a coup, and we get to see in this movie part of the coup succeeding. And then this is one of my favorite parts about this movie. I know where. I don't think this is like a spoiler, but structurally, this is what's so beautiful about having this like outside perspective versus trying to tell the story of the coup is Mm. that we go away from the coup because our, our protagonist gets injured trying to cover the story. And then we just find out a couple days later that the coup failed. And there's something so like, it just pulls the rug out emotionally when you're with Mel and he's got the shit wrapped around his eyes and, and he just hears from his friend who was a part of that communist party. Yeah. It didn't work. It failed and we're all going to get fucking killed. So after this thing fails, Sukarno is taken out of power and, uh, Sorry, what is his name? Suarto is the general. Basically, he is the leader of the military that mobilizes forces against this communist uprising, and he takes power and he is president of that country in a political, uh, a military-led political regime for thirty-one years. Yeah. So we get to see this the the perspective, and I bet a lot of it is in the novel. The per- but the point of view and perspective that they have on telling what this story looks like from somebody desperate to understand something that they will never be able to understand. That's yeah. the magic of this movie. It's like all those great Vietnam stories. It, I have watched every fucking thing I can get my hands on, <laughs> including Ken Burns. <laughs> I've taken classes on it, and I still don't understand what the fuck happened over there. You know, yeah. and, and that's just mm. how those wars go. That's how yeah. those geopolitics work. And I just thought this movie captured that that sensation really beautifully and yeah. its turn from Act 2 to Act 3. And the Philippines would go into martial law in
1: '72, which I know because of "Here Lies Love," which really fucked me up. And I I can't believe I didn't know that either. It's like all yeah. of these all of these countries near Dave, um, <laughs> it's just it's just left out of our history. It's just left out of yeah. what, what what we teach in schools. We we all know like who were the Axis of powers, which I guess matters because America went to that war. But we don't we don't know any of
0: this stuff. Mm. It's, just, it's they so gloss interesting over watching. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting watching entertainment about this entertainment. I don't want to degrade it, these it important is. issues. I know, but it is. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's it a movie. That's what it is. It mm. is. Because right now we live in... We're so globalized now, way more than we were in 1982. You know, we have the internet. Just Of course, there are these terrible, you know, events that are going on all the time. There are a few that have our attention right now. Yep. And we get such real-time updates on all of them. It almost... It almost, like... I'm not going to say whether or not it makes you want to learn more or less, but there is a very different uh, experience with how we process um, information that is coming from afar uh, for, for issues. You know, it's almost like without a certain amount of ob- objectivity to uh, an issue that you're reading about in the paper it kind of can come overwhelming. I'm sure there are a lot of people mm-hmm. who don't even like looking at their phone right now because they they don't want to see certain images. But you can watch a movie like this, and maybe, or you can read, you know, the paper about issues that were happening afar. And I don't know. I'm wondering. I'm wondering when that, when that really turned. I always think about how Cronkite was like covering
2: Vietnam mm.
0: so well, differently, it's, it's, and that was the funny. first like time it, it, people at saw those it. times
2: you knew at like at six p.m. you would sit down and get your update for the day. It wasn't like this happened at eleven fifty-six, and you've got an alert on your phone at eleven fifty-seven. Yeah, by some news like organization that just had to be first, whether it was right or not. But yeah. uh, like it was these stories were boots on the ground, people researching, people doing interviews with the people in the country, sending the story back over, and then editors there would decide whether or not to even publish that. Right. And it was it was a slower process. And yeah, I I think you're right. It's like we get bombarded with so much information these days. I'm, it's it's interesting to see well I mean we've seen how coups go in this day and age um, but also you see I, I love the press angle and I actually wish there was more press to be
1: honest with you because they're here they're, they're not sharing like as if the British press and the Australian press publishing on different like are they even going to publish on the same date they reported at the same time? Like you would, only, you would almost think they would work together more other than just getting drunk. But they seem, I, I guess I liked yeah. the competitive well, that, spirit of it, but that was,
2: that was the big thing at the beginning. Like they're saying that the former guy that he's replacing stiffed him because basically when you get transferred there, he's supposed to take him around and introduce him to all his contacts. And he didn't oh. do that. He just quit and fucking left and left this guy in the lurch. So he had no contacts. Yeah. That was a good scene enter, where they're all like sucking Billy. up to the
1: generals yeah. and they're sucking up to all the people trying to get stories from them. Yeah. that was That was a pretty good scene. Yeah. I could use some more. So let's let's segue into the romance because this is entertainment. And you mm. got Sigourney Weaver, right? This is, you know, a couple years after Alien and, and Mel Gibson, who's who had already done Mad Max and a couple other movies before this. Uh but so they're bona fide stars. Yeah.
2: Two and absolute the, badass characters
1: to get everyone. Yeah. And she <laughs> so she's the assistant. At, to the British attest, the British military attaché, who's this four-star British general who's, who's stationed there. And he's just a total political figurehead at this point, despite his military, you know, as far as we're concerned. He just basically drinks at a pool and, and you know, shakes hands mm. and goes to important meetings and talks about military shit. And she's just sort of his assistant. And obviously the, there's no doubt that they're going to have a romance. But I think it did stall the politics for a time being, except for the fact that, of course, they started changing. But for there were 20 minutes there where it just turned into, like, what James Bond used to do in two minutes, minutes—that little romance sequence, it became like this 15, 20 minute sequence. Did you guys think that it held the movie back a little bit there?
2: I didn't, I didn't think so. I, I was, I was kind of what you do wonder where it's going with that. Cause yeah. they, they don't set it up as that. And then suddenly it's been to this romance. And then you got Billy doing some other sinister thing, like following them around. And you're like, what's that about? And and then they, them, yeah. then they kind of start hinting that one or both of them might be spies. And, that's kind of never really interesting resolved. right okay yeah.
0: okay. because I thought a lot about this because I kind of had the same situ- situation that you did Jeff we're in spoilers right because I am going to yeah. say well, something I, I, I mean so. it's 40 years old yeah, we're, we're sure. good yeah,
2: yeah. but yeah go and watch this movie anyway yeah. I think
0: you th- I think <laughs> I think I felt that way until a massive turn comes with Linda Hunt's character Billy when you re- and that's when I realized what this movie was actually about so when you, you're you following Mel Gibson and you think he's our protagonist, but even when you're watching him in the beginning, you're kind of like, why are we in a lot of, we're not in a lot of close-ups with him. We're not hearing him talk mm. about how he feels all the time. We're just kind of following him. And ah. I started wondering, like, what is Peter Weir doing? Like, is he is he our protagonist or not? Or is it Billy? Yeah. And is, is this a Gatsby thing? I, I was like, what the fuck is happening? And I think, I think it is a more of a Gatsby thing. I think we're observing Mel Gibson yeah. as a secondary protagonist. And when they start falling in love, just like you guys were saying, when they start falling in love and Billy sets it up with, and you're kind of like, is he setting this up? And is this about him manipulating these people? Is he a spy? What's happening with this character? That 20 minutes almost seems like a catalyst for Billy's ultimate uh, realization that he can't trust Mel Gibson. Yeah. Like I know and I know that seems like we could still say the argument is, did we need 20 minutes of it though, for him to take a story from her after she admits after they have sex and they're falling in love oh. that she says, I know something that's important, and he says, Mel Gibson says, Well, I'm fucking printing it. Yeah. That is the catalyst for Billy to say, I thought you were a different kind of person. I, we I can't trust you. And mm. then we see Billy's dissent, and Billy eventually fucking commits like almost police suicide by hanging this. This sign as a protest outside of this big rally for sakarna saying "Feed your people." After his child dies, and he gets fucking thrown out of a fucking window. Which my jaw was on the floor, by the way. Is that yeah. Billy's <laughs> child?
1: Is it Billy's child? No,
0: he just adopted, adopted it. child.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah.
0: But for the sake of he adopted, he took that the scene, his
1: wing. which by the way would never happen nowadays for obvious reasons. But holy shit! And the way Billy Beautiful. just like peeks in, and then just like slowly like pa- like doesn't say a word. The yeah. second scene, yeah. not the fir- the first the one. Where incredible she says sequence.
0: Documents. So when I realized that that's actually what this movie is about, and it it kind of, it made me love what had happened to me psychologically and emotionally until Billy jumps out. But I think because of that, the glory of that pivot left the last act of this movie a little bit different for me. Like now, once I realized like, well, who am I, who is my surrogate now? Yeah. Because it was Billy telling me how to yeah. feel about all these people. Which is why Billy's we just gone. find out
1: this stuff out of nowhere, it seems like. It's like we didn't yeah. have that. But also, so it's leading you to believe that Billy's working for somebody. And I guess the answer is not. Even though all the behavior would be the same as if he were CIA or or British intelligence or even just Indonesian intelligence, you know, working. But then you said it was something like the, the movie's kind of like you can't trust Mel Gibson. It almost seems like the movie was always about a plea for help you know yes. and it was like it was like i thought you would be able to help us but even in this moment of this uprising it's just it's exciting mm-hmm. you know it's a, it's a, it's newsworthy Dude, it's-
0: guys what's the end of this movie they tricked western audiences into thinking that there was a powerful plea of uh, a, an act of love a gesture of love that he goes to her at the end of this movie and gets on the plane that was the West running away. For me, that's what I yeah. saw. Oh, oh
1: uh, yeah, for
2: sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, right? like it, when it's they would
0: supposed to be like, oh, he's going to meet her. He's running fucking scared. Yeah, because this well, is yeah, an yeah. I mean when they, when they got problem. through
2: the like when they get held up with the um, the papers and he's like, this is mm-hmm. my press thing, and they let him through. And they're driving through, and people are being shot on the side of the road, and they're just laughing because oh they dude. got through the gate. They're laughing. And yeah. it's like, yeah, that was that's when it was like, it, this is not about him. I'm sure all. you guys
0: thought the same yeah. fucking thing. I, it's when they were at that airport scene. It's not nearly on the same scale, but the emotional <laughs> potency of that airport scene. I was flashing well, I back think, to the Afghanistan me too. airport. Mm. like And Saigon. But and, Af- and Af- the Afghanistan went sure. Gone. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. all these things. And uh, God, that's what Peter We're And I wonder if I did not read enough good. Like, I, I like sometimes when we go back in time and we watch these movies, I like to read reviews of the time to just see if anybody was talking about. The politics versus just the, the did the film sell and did it do well? But I really think they snuck one in here. Like the whole thing with Sigourney and Mel Gibson almost ended up being like a kind of a fuck you to the entertainment industry of like, isn't it crazy how we can package these kinds of stories? And as long as there is a romance involved, they're palatable. And mm-hmm. actually that's like the, uh, that's your scapegoat. When we deal with like, how do we get back to life? How do we get back to moving forward? Mm. When you have beautiful scenes like the, the one you went, the one you referenced, where like, we, what we really know for me is that Mel Gibson gets on that plane, but he will never be able to forget the night that he first saw those starving Indonesians. He'll be a that's child it. for the rest of his life.
1: I mean, honestly, so, you know what it, it reminded me of? Concentra- concentration camp survivors in movies again, just just through entertainment, but that's how skinny they were and how poor and impoverished and, and, you know, it was, it was, it was horrible. (laughs) I know that sounds crazy to say out loud, but it's just the honest to God truth. And back back to what you were saying, there's another moment too that I sort of highlight and I was ready to ask you about, but based on this conversation, I think we, there's there's an absurdity too that there there has to be, you know, they first of all, they leave the he leaves the um recorder behind, which has like his reporting yeah. on it. And it's basically like, just fucking have it. This is what the West is talking about. And everybody's just got so giddy to hear like, what's the West talking about that they let him leave, right? They they just ignored him and he walks out the door. So he is leaving that behind. And he's like, I don't even need this, I just need to get the fuck out of here. And they're sitting there like what what's going on? What's going on with the world? They don't even care about him as a person or a human anymore. But the one thing in the movie that was like, this seems a little strange because they they do take everything very seriously. They take the responsibility seriously. They Mel Mel Gibson and Sigourney Weaver the first the first time that they, they run away together after their initial takeaway. So when they're at that fancy dinner party and there's the curfew, so they can't go out mm. and they break the the barrier. There's like a checkpoint and they just go through it. Yeah. They get fucking. But they get like Shut Sonny up, and the Godfather shot at with these machine guns, and I mean, and they, he's like, he's like, get down, and it's like AKs raining yeah. terror, and yeah. they are, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're just laughing hysterically, ha 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 ha, and then fuck, and it's like, wait a second, what the fuck, like how, how did they just? Is it worth? Like I, I mean, even if no sleeping escapade in, in my, I can, I can't even imagine. Is worth going through a fucking firing squad to do, but in hindsight, it, again, that, those absurd moments maybe do actually. It, it's either we hate this doing this romance and and Hollywood's making me do this if I'm Peter Weir, or it's this whole thing where it's like, what is with us with guns and violence and 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 the story? Like, I don't know. There, there, I there's love, there's dude, something dude, important to right. know about that.
0: I want to ask Peter Weir, were you making a point that it is? there is a sick romanticism that the West has with these third world nations. <laughs> like, there's what, that image, I had the same feeling, dude, those white people laughing while they're getting, you know, yeah, shot while up. They're running, they're about while they're escape. running, while they're running the Just for here,
1: breaking a, a, a checkpoint, yeah. you know, like even a DUI checkpoint. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're not going to shoot at somebody when they go by, but they're like.
0: I wonder what, I wonder if you feel
1: Yeah, that no, they're, they're, those were real. it
0: was just, But they were
1: leaving the palace. They weren't even. If you were going towards the presidential palace and you broke a checkpoint, I can understand the guns. But they were just going to the middle of a bungalow somewhere. Dude, by the way, that one bungalow was fucking awesome with Tiger Lily. Holy shit, that was awesome. Sorry.
2: Like curfew was curfew. They they shut that country down. If you were seen out, you were shot.
1: I guess that's true. You could have been working for the.
2: the How about this, you guys?
0: I think I think my only, and it's not even a complaint, but at the end of the movie, when Billy makes their turn, his turn into his realization I was wrong. At the beginning of this movie, his homeostasis, his he basically says Socorno's a genius. I think that's literally one of his lines. Yeah. I think he's a genius. This current president they have, Billy's kind of like not on the same side as a lot of the reporters who are hmm. are not totally pro communist party, the PKI, but they're they're covering both sides and they're seeing that Socorno is a, you know, not not doing a great job uh, from from a political stance. And Billy says, "I think he's a genius, but I don't feel like they had that scene or or that story beat where other than stating it, where Billy argues for it or demonstrates mm-hmm. it, like shows Mel why they think that Zocarno is doing a good job. And I kind of wished, I just, I just wished maybe I wanted that story beat. I don't want to beat it over the head. I didn't want it to be a cheap, look, he's good in this way. And now he's bad in that way. Um, But there are movies like Last King of Scotland and other ones where we, we have dictatorial rule. And you see people in this exact same scenario. Somebody says, I think they're good. And somebody else says, I don't know, be careful. And you get to see them do something that, you know, Frank Lucas and American Gangster handing out turkeys on fucking Thanksgiving Day. And then he fucking blows somebody's head off. I guess I wanted just a little bit more of that, but if we're supposed to be on the outside and we can't really see in, I don't know, maybe that, maybe that works because of that. Like nothing was fully explained and it was almost frustrating. Do you think that was intentional? Do you think that was how we were supposed to feel?
2: I mean, as far as Billy and where Billy sat, nobody knew where Billy sat. Really. All of that was in the inner monologue in the, whatever he was writing. Um, to the public, he was something else. Like, mm, to, the, to awesome. those reporters, he was something else.
1: Which is so fun. I love the reporter, when he gets called out, he's like, and you, you you, laugh at him because he likes little girls, but you like little boys. And that guy's like, well, I'm packing my bags tonight. That was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> well, you, well, that's the thing. Like, shouting that <laughs> in a club would get that guy killed. He's, yeah, but he wasn't killed, but he was like, but I, uh, I'm i not going to push my luck. I'm but, getting the fuck no, out of here like, yeah. tonight. <laughs> There is I do have a gripe at this movie. That swimming match was fucking terrible. God, those people, God, you pre, at least pretend to know how to swim. Just have them do it a couple of times. <laughs> that was a bad... And Tiger Lily's oh. dive was really
0: bad. Come on, Tiger Lily. Um, you Australians are supposed to know how to swim. What does he say to them? You blokes are supposed to be good at swimming. <laughs> yeah. All right. And I also really- Running from great white fucking sharks your entire life. (laughs) I also
1: really like the line about the the fucking puppets. It got me where Billy says, uh, it's it's like the shadow. If you want to understand the people of Indonesia, you have to understand the shadow play, puppets. The shadow is the soul and the screen is heaven. I was like, wow. If I said that, it would sound like shit, which I just did right now on this podcast. But uh, That
0: that moment was the- uh... For me, that was... Hey! I feel like... <laughs> I feel like Peter Weir has a, a sequence like that in all of his movies where, like, it's there's an artifice to it. There is something heightened about it. It's the Carpe Diem sequence. Mm-hmm. Carpe Diem, boys! When Robin's telling them to read. That's the his. Stars. That's and, a Peter Weir movie! Oh. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I think he has those sequences in all of his movies where he, like, does something a little poetic, a little... There's a little artifice introduced in it, and it's like that's the movie like it, it, there's an essential moment in the in like somewhere in the beginning of the second act of his films and i thought this one was gorgeous and you know what we'll give we'll give peter credit but god damn it mel sold that scene for me the way he watched Millie yeah. talk about it the sincerity mm-hmm. of him how much he liked billy like he did i mean mel gibson's it's inconvenient for some people i guess but that man is an incredible actor and he really he really sold that for me. He, he got himself cyber. Kind of... I think he,
2: I think he's okay now.
1: Look, he has two <laughs> Oscars. Good, They're man. definitely not for his acting in Hamlet, but he does <laughs> have two Oscars.
0: I mean, you know. Oh, come on. He's 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 really he's really great actor. <laughs> yeah. And he's just he's he's just so good in this movie. Again, like if, if you were kind of what I was saying, that dilemma of like who are we following? Is he a protagonist or not? That's yeah, tough, that can be a tough role to play when you're looking at it on the script and you're asking yourself those questions. And I think he very honestly told himself, "My only job is to listen to everybody that's talking to me." You know, it obviously that might be seem obvious as a journalist, but like every scene he's in, he is like a, a, almost obsessively engaged with whatever people are telling them. He's listening. There's an empathy there. This is so beautiful. So, in that shadow moment, like it did not feel mm. cheesy at all. Because nope. he had no judgment for it. He didn't think it was cheesy. He was watching. And oh, man, that was beautiful. How about Maurice Jare's score? Do you guys like it? Yeah. How do pronounce that? Mari Jari? I don't know how you say it, but he does all of Peter Weir's films. I, this is another good one for me. It worked. Maurice it Jari.
1: Cool. Uh, the score, it was fantastic. I mean, it was it was, it was gripping. Yeah. He also did Lawrence of Arabia. So, you know, Dr. Chivago, three Oscars. So, yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's no, he's no slouch. He's, he's, he's been around. Ghost? He was he did, slumming he it did, on this movie. <laughs> you know what else he did? Ghost. Yeah. Oh. And, like, all of Peter Will's films. But I loved his nods. He does this all the time, and he does it so well. And, again, like, it, it is appropriate. I'm very aware, folks. Like, this is a Western slant on what these issues are. Like, it's intentional. They're doing that on purpose. So, his, like nod to certain textures and instruments from that area of the world and bringing it into certain modes and forms of composition, mm. but still making it feel like an accessible Western movie soundtrack. That's, I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that's hard to do. I think he fucking hit the bullseye again. I think he nailed it.
1: Um, our cinematographer won an Oscar for a Peter Weir film, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. It's, it's a miss for me, mm. 2003. I've never seen it, but won Oscar. Are you serious?
0: Oh, dude, that's my, that might be my favorite Peter film. You've never seen that?
1: Really? No. no. I mean, no.
0: Oh, God, dude. Russell Crowe and...
1: Yeah, it won oh, we'll Best just... Cinematography. Well, it well, says I, it for us. It beat fucking Lord of the Rings. Roll
2: 2003.
1: Yeah. Well, it beat be Two Towers. <laughs> it was a weird thing where he won for the first one and was nominated for the second one, but anyway.
0: Do you like Nautical? Of course. Like nautical
2: like oh, hun- Yeah, give me some hun- fucking oh, Hunt for God. Red
1: October all yeah. day, every day. Jeff, Let's go.
2: Dude, our Periscope is one of my favorite films. God, that movie's funny. That movie is funny.
0: Uh... Very slow movie, but please, motherfucker, watch it. Oh, my God. I love that movie so much. Maybe we'll do 2003 next and we'll get to fucking watch it. Well, let's do it, people. We're going
1: to wrap this up here. What a fun conversation. I'm so glad we watched this, even though we had to give us some uh, Bezo bucks to, to see it. You know what? I'm,
2: I'm, I'm glad you liked it. We did. I was
1: we did. I'm really glad to it. Again. Get it. for it. If, if we watch it, another man. fucking Australian well, movie, if I, I it's figured, 1979, yeah, we're doing Mad Max. When we, did, we did, did this,
2: when we did this time machine thing, it was like, uh, I saw, I watched all these films that I never would have watched otherwise. And it was great. So I, I had know, a chance yeah, to too. return the favor. I know. So I, thought, yeah. I
1: do like, even though so, none yeah. of us have time to do this, the, when, we had to, when we got to do like multiple and that second movie was always a fucking fun wild card. Yeah, We saw like uh, the orphans <laughs> and shit. It's like,
0: yeah. what's the matter orphans. with baby Jean? Oh yeah. Baby Jane. By the way, dude, that fucking house is down the street from me. I didn't realize it until the <laughs> exterior of the house. It's not the interior. They shot down on the stage. Yeah. It's like how far are you? Me.
1: How far are you from Palace Faradays?
0: Kinda of far. That's on the west side. So thirty, you know, depending on traffic, twenty five to forty five or an hour depending on how bad the traffic
1: 25 is. to 45 to an hour. That's fucking the most LA shit you've ever said in your life. All right, Dave, let's spin. Let's spin the random. Fuck you, John. Get your drink count up. Let's spin the. Dave, you only had four buzzes this week. You had 27 last week. What's wrong with you? Fuck you, Dave.
2: Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to take the scoreboard down.
1: Um, all right, let's spin it. So everybody, thanks for listening. Next week, we're going to be talking about a random year that we're going to spin right now for you. Let's go, Dave. Let's do it. Spin, spin, spin. Nineteen
2: eighty. We just did nineteen eighty-two, Dave. Oh, you got the wrong one. Ha! I see I, it uh, too. It says 1982. Yeah, no, no. The the one on yours says nineteen eighty-two because I didn't copy the file over because I got home from set like five minutes before we did the show. Well, are you telling me you
0: know what it is before you before you roll it?
2: <laughs> I did. This, I did this time because I knew I was going to make it back. Oh, I rolled my God, it early. That's so funny. Yeah. What is it?
1: 1961.
2: 61! Oh, cool.
0: 61. Very fun. All right,
1: well, we're not going to sit here and we're not going
0: to just sit here and Wikipedia
1: this for you, even though we're all doing it separately right now, and you may as well, film fans. But we're going to finish up our uh, episode here with our quick round of what you've been watching, where we give you our recommendations so that we can tell you what we've been watching and top of the many reviews we gave you at the beginning of the episode. Dave, you watched the Marvels. Is there anything else you got to this week?
2: Uh, I watched the finale of Loki. And um, in my opinion, one of the best character arcs Marvel ever has, has ever done.
1: God, he's good. I hope he got. Yeah. His, I hope he got his money for it. Disney apparently, yeah. quote unquote, lost two hundred and ninety million dollars, whatever, this past quarter. But it was productive. Um, yeah.
2: Well, maybe they should get this shit together. I don't
1: know. i <laughs> will get your count up, Dave. <laughs> All right. Oh, Jesus. Oh, sorry. Anyway, fuck you. Um. Loki, Dave. I'm John.
0: Uh, I watched a bunch. By the way, I'm like an hour and a half from Palos Verdes. That's like south of Torrance. It's like way down there. I didn't realize that. Sorry. Okay. Okay. You don't even know where you are. Well, g- I'm glad I'm lot. glad you're not going to be there because that would have
1: taken forever to visit you. No, no, no,
0: Too far. Too far.
1: West Side Story uh, came out in 1961.
0: Yeah, we have some fun options. I saw a bunch of stuff. Elizabeth is now... Uh, 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 she's not here right now so I I probably have way too much time on my hands in in the late evening so I've watched more movies than I've (laughs) probably watched in a while but she took me to Quentin Tarantino's one of his theaters uh, the new Beverly um, two weeks ago or a week and a half ago and we saw Wim Wenders' Wings of Desire you guys ever heard of that one? no it's the one that like City of Angels was very loosely based on. Oh, okay. but, like it's a oh. an art film version. It's, it's it's really beautiful. That was awesome. I watched uh two Hal Hartley films. He was a SUNY Purchase, early nineties indie filmmaker guy, Edie Falcos and all of his like early stuff. Uh I watched Trust and the Unbelievable Truth. Uh and then I finished uh winning time i caught up and finished that and i i say finished because i didn't realize yeah. they were ending it, yeah, it a podcast <laughs>
1: a podcast spoiled it for me they didn't get renewed so all of a sudden they just fucking credit rolled that shit that could have gone for oh, 10 man. years if they wanted it to
0: oh uh, honestly i was like was that intentional like it just fucking no here comes no Pat benatar no, no. <laughs> shadows of the night and i was like is this the end of the movie and they just start showing <laughs> or and the series postscript just comes up Pat Riley went on to these guys went on. I was like, "Is this the end of the fucking show?" Like they, why, they really and why didn't did you feel like. Why that. did you
2: end it? Nineties comedy style. It's no, it, was, oh, it, was, oh, it was, yeah. it's, it's
0: so good. It's like the, the <laughs> shadows of the night playing over it. The montage, yeah. you know, it's still really, really good. But I, I guess I just assumed we had years to go. They were. T- tackling the 80s with this team and they I think they only got to 84 or something. So anyway, that was kind of weird, but it was still it was good while it lasted. I thank you winning time. That was fun.
1: I've seen a couple things. So I watched I rewatched the holiday, which I didn't like in college, but I was also like, uh, come on. I want it's to good. be an actor. And I think the the one particular performance I was like, this is not grounded. The director, they're not clicking, I don't like this. But rewatching it, it's like The only problem with the this the only problem with this time is I kept thinking about it's much better to be single at the holidays if you have a lot of money. When is the next time (laughs) they're gonna do like a holiday movie where like people have like roommates and they don't have any space and they're poor? Like I'm very curious about that.
0: Fill in the gap for the first part of that sentence. (laughs) it's much, much better for the last part of that sentence it's always if you have a lot of money it's probably it's like the only guy in you. town
1: also happens to have a house that would make the mccallister family jealous like <laughs> yes, what the yes. fuck and he looks like jude law this actually that's the only the second problem the only two problems i have is that jude law they clearly know that this is like they're like okay talented mr ripley we, we know we know he's the best but like how many reaction shots do they give him they want his face on that screen as much as possible and so he's just reacting the whole time and it's like he he only has so many looks at a certain point he runs out of looks they so gotta cut away don't don't you can't overdo it okay um so i rewatched the holiday that movie's um he's a staple
0: how good is eli wallach his him and kate wins honestly i actually for a second movie. i was like
1: he looks so familiar i turned to angela do the movie better than me and i was like is this a real person is this Arthur Lawrence? Like, his name is Arthur Abbott. I was like, who is this? It? I swear on my life. And of course it was just fucking Eli Wallach. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. He was so yeah. goddamn good. The only thing though, is that he accepts this WGA award and then they just have a full gala, like two days later. Like, come on people. Like, come on, Nancy Myers. Let's go. You, Yeah. You really, really yeah, good, yeah, but yeah. come on, make it age. Anyway. Um, I love it. It was, it was much better this time for sure. I liked it a lot. Um, Tom Zimmer with the score. Sorry. I
0: like that movie. That's, that's a fun
1: one dude. <laughs> I, I saw the the there's a Nickelodeon documentary which I think is a little too retrospective oh. in order. It's called like go, like make it Orange. it's on Hulu and oh, it's, cool. it, it's it's fine, but it's like it just starts at the beginning and goes forward and it's like, guys, you gotta start from all that Rugrats, are you afraid of the dark and then work your way out. <laughs> <laughs> I spent, this way too much time in the 80s was shit I didn't care about for sure. Um, although when they said Pete and Pete was a cross between Twin Peaks, and um, <laughs> it was a cross between Twin Peaks and, oh, fuck. I forget what they said after that. But I was like, that's awesome that they did this on a Nickelodeon show. Yeah. It's so true. His imagination literally it came so to life in it. That Peaks was a and- weird
0: show. There was some strangeness
1: there for sure. Twin Peaks and Dune. I don't know. Something weird like that. Okay. And then I also Dune. saw <laughs> The Holdovers, which John already did a mini review on but Angela and I saw it and we loved it. And it was so fun when that movie ended and it was us and all old people whose hearing aids were whistling in the crowd the entire time we were in there. And then all the fucking teenagers who got out of the Taylor Swift movie. It was just the oldest and the youngest at the same time. It was really fun afterwards. But the holdovers of Paul Giamatti, Alexander Payne, it's so moving. It's just such a good movie. So go see it.
0: Good, man. I'm glad you liked it. Fuck yeah.
1: All right, 1961 next week. Cannot wait. Here we come. Cannot wait to talk about Whatever movie we're going to be doing. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait for John to give us Yojimbo as his selection. <laughs> and Dave to sit here. <laughs> and There's got to be some kind of Billy Wilder movie. or There's got to be some... I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what we do. Oh, but next sure week. We can Can't wait. The Ladies Man came out. Anyway, people, you're the best. See you next week. Phil Peace.